Welcome to all the people joining us for one fifty-ninth episode of GI Joebrick. We've been at this for approximately fourteen years now. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Welcome. I'm Robert. I'm joined by George Clooney, <laughs> Chef Mike Paul, and American Greenery. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas, guys. <laughs> That's a song I recognize. This, I suppose, would count as our Christmas special, because uh, God knows I ain't getting up at 3 a.m. ever again <laughs> until 2019 is done. Uh, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. No, that's when I go to bed, man. I can't. We can't have people on this podcast waking up at that time. It's 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 criminal now. Stephen has done it for every single podcast we've done since he went to Asia. Just saying. <laughs> no, he's badass. Which probably accounts for exactly how loopy I've been in all these records. But enough complaints from me. Hey, Cooge, you're yeah. here too, aren't you? Oh, wild Cooge. True. Hell True. yeah. Uh, the West Coast oh, wild is magic eight ball Cujo. sunny. That makes Indeed. a change. Hasn't it been uh, um, rainy for a bit there? It has been a little turbulent, but uh, no complaints today. Um, it's nice. It's... What is it? Mid-morning. And uh, we got somebody in China. Somebody in California, and I think we have some people in South Africa. Nice. Yeah, you do. I gotta say, guys, um, it has been raining cats and dogs and buckets in uh, good old Johannesburg and Pretoria. It has been amazing. I love rain. I really do. Um, Same. The only bad side to it is that it, it stops me from being able to airbrush because um, the humidity that rain creates makes your airbrush do funny things. But, um, and Cujo's going to love this, Centurion, uh, which is a part of Pretoria, they flooded. And um, there were some very funny memes. There were some very funny memes floating around. Pardon the pun. Um, Paul, <laughs> you are the worst. <laughs> you are the worst. I was wondering if you knew about the flooding because you were like, I love the rain, except the only problem is, and I was expecting you to say flooding, but you said airbrushing yeah no i'm i'm not the worst it's not my problem <laughs> oh and the flood it's very funny because they're good memes <laughs> third world problems the worst. yeah it's been raining so heavily that that centurion is in flood people are getting their homes washed away and paul's having trouble with his airbrushing <laughs> yeah well you know it's not my problem i know it sounds bad i can i can sympathize but it's not my problem and here's the thing Whoa. The, the the people of Pretoria have actually had such a great attitude about it. I mean, this one girl, she did her shopping in a in a in a um a zodiac, you know, one of those boats, and she's like canoeing, <laughs> and she's on her phone, and she's like doing this like uh, video recording of herself, and she's just being very cute and cheeky, and you know, so I mean, as much as it has been quite crappy, a lot of guys have been in good spirits about it. Let's put it this way. The flooding might have been a pain in the butt, but it it's uh, it hasn't affected us as much as the the load shedding. I mean, which has affected everybody, yeah. and uh, obviously mitigated certain circumstances. Um, yay, load shedding for the, you know. So for the, those uh, of you scratching your heads, load shedding is a term uh, that is quite, uh, shall we say, ubiquitous in South African culture. Um, it basically means that our uh, energy supplier uh, cannot meet the demands placed on the grid by, well, by South Africa. <laughs> so they literally shed the load by staging rolling blackouts, 
that sort of take place at scheduled times and move from suburb to suburb throughout the country to try and make up this energy deficit. So yes, uh, in the last 10 years, South Africans have become very well acquainted with the term load shedding. Um, how have you been affected, Rob? And didn't you have your year-end work function just yesterday? How was that, brother? Oh, hell yeah, dude. Okay, so let's do the negative first. So load shedding, it, I mean, it's not really a negative, I suppose. I mean, it doesn't really hit me. It, it's Obviously, it hits me hard, but I'm like, ah, you know, I can just go to bed early or I can sleep a bit. And now we have little lights in the shop, so we can actually still at least sell stuff. So that's pretty sweet. Although we are waiting for a mobile card machine, so we can actually do card sales instead of sending people, like, across the road to go and draw money. Ooh, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> but um yeah so last night we went out to a fantastic burger place called rocco mama's um in cape town yeah. here and had a i i just you, you can make your own burger so i made like this fantastic burger with like pickles and caramel onions on and chili mayo and uh and guacamole and it was absolutely delicious and i had a, a butter toffee milkshake which i've never had before that was wow not as good as the um, Death by Chocolate milkshakes that my one boss and uh, another colleague had. Those things were huge, and they were just covered in Nutella and uh, whispers and just everything. Everything. It was, it was a huge mess, and I think uh, they were very full after finishing those. As I was, after I had a waffle for the first time in ages, waffles are, are still the best thing ever. <laughs> many, shubs and, uh, many shubs and shuls knew what it was to roast a clog on that day. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Ghostbusters. Yeah, Ghostbusters. So, um, they dropped a new trailer for, therefore, a brand new, another attempt to try and uh, reboot this franchise. And can I say, hold on, guys. Hold on. (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. Before you get too far away, Praetoria is pretty far inland. That's for. 43,000 feet? Is that right? That is right, yeah. Huh. Huh. Where's all that water? I knew you would find it interesting, Kujo. Back back to regularly (laughs) scheduling program. (laughs) Yeah, so they dropped a new trailer. I know Paul's excited about it. Um, Has anyone else watched it and uh, got any uh, feelings about this? Stranger Things adaptation? (laughs) (laughs) That's actually the first time I've heard that, uh, that correlation. Thanks, Rob. I suppose the internet's constantly tagging it Labeled as a stra- it that, Stranger yeah. Things. Well, for sure. I mean, like the the kids, um, the, the you know the the older kid in 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 the the Ghostbusters trailer, he went from cosplaying, or at least dressing up as a Ghostbuster for Halloween in one season of Stranger Things, to actually being in the Ghostbusters movie. So hmm. there's definitely yeah. a connection there. I had like I'll share something um a, a weird insight with you guys. Um, so I, I watched this trailer. I mean, I had to watch it on my phone, okay, which because of load shedding. Oh. <laughs> so I had to watch it on my phone. I saw the the message. Somebody like immediate. Somebody posted it on Facebook. I actually think Sony themselves, because I follow them on Facebook, whatever. They posted. I was like, oh my word! So I went to check that out. I was like the 60th like or something. <laughs> anyway, um, Only, so I watched the trailer. Jeez, <laughs> Sony. <laughs> does anyone like you? <laughs> No, man, it was, I, I mean, I got in, I watched the trailer early. I was one of the first 60 people, uh, you know, to see the trailer when it was officially released, which makes me all happy. But that's not important. What is important is that, I mean, I loved it, yeah. But 
there's something about it that reminds me of a cartoon, and that was my first thought. Like when I when I finished the trailer, when I finished watching it, I was like, oh my word, this actually feels a lot like the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Like like it's almost like an extension. Like they're kind of mixing the cartoon and the first movie, and they're bringing it into like a continuation. And I love that feeling because as much as Ghostbusters is very much a New York film, I am very excited to see them take it out of New York and see what they do with it. You know, um, so. It is very interesting. Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then one of the other insights, and then the inside side of it is, I'm doing this like, story called Halloween Kids, and in that story, there is a girl that dresses up as a Ghostbuster. Um, because I'm a, Yeah, because I'm a huge ghosthead. So I wanted to make a, a girl character that was dressed up as Ghostbuster. No, it's none of that like social justice warrior crap. It's just the whole point is that her character, she comes from like a kind of a poor household. So she actually made a whole costume by herself. And this is in the 80s, so she had to do it by going to the cinema to watch this film like repeatedly to make sure that she got it right. And um, so in the Halloween world, she actually gets the powers, you know, that come with the costume. So she's got all of the Ghostbuster thingies, and her design is very similar to the little girl that they've got in the Ghostbusters trailer, the girl with the glasses, possibly Ooh. Egon's granddaughter. So I thought that was kind of creepy. I was like, woo, NSA is checking out my computer. Or maybe it's something <laughs> cool like wavelength. But anyway, I just I, I just wanted to say that now, before like I release this character and everybody's like, oh, you copied the movie. I just wanted to just put that out now. Anyway, yeah, after the trailer came out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after, yeah, I suppose. But I didn't want to say it before the trailer because that's like spoilers. But you know, I mean, I did do these like designs like a year ago, so whatever. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, that's fantastic, though. Yeah, I, I'm pretty excited for it. I think it looks interesting, and it's nice that, yeah, as you said, they're getting out in New York. Um, you're telling another story in this world. Um, yeah. Like, what happened to the ghosts? Why why haven't there been ghosts around in the last 30-plus years? Yeah, in, exactly. You know, Ghostbusters Prime world. And I just would like to say that this film has no risk of destroying my childhood. Why? Because there's an original Ghostbusters movie and a sequel, which I enjoy. And if this movie's shit, it's fine, because... We have the original Ghostbusters movies. That's true. And, uh, and the amazingly well-written real Ghostbusters series. At least the first two seasons are fantastic. Totally worth checking out. Just had to yeah. throw that there out there. There you go, dude. <laughs> it's something us old-timers seem to be saying a lot, though. It's like, yeah, this movie doesn't have to be good. I've always got the classics mm-hmm. to fall back on. <laughs> Maybe we should yeah, stop not, being not... so, um, I suppose, roll over and play dead. Accommodating. <laughs> Yeah, we we set a very low bar these days. We're like, yeah, Star Wars is kind of walking its own way and, and hopefully getting <laughs> some new generations to watch it. It's okay if they piss us off. <sighs> I don't know, guys. I'm starting to feel well, like uh, we're, 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 we're ushering ourselves into extinction. <laughs> I will say this, and I will, I will rebut you, Stephen, and say that uh, G.I. Joe Berg has never apologized for its existence. And that shit's not going to start now. Enough said. Hell yeah. So, Steve said the magic word, and it's not please. He said Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which, at this point in time, it's kind of like a weird time. A lot of fans pissed off by the movies coming out, you know, the movies that are out right now. But then comes along The Mandalorian, which I think a lot of Mm. people had, as far as I know, there's hardly any, like, like backlash, or no one's like arguing over the series. They're just like lapping it I up. Want more. <laughs> <laughs> Give me more. 
Move, move, move. Um, have you guys all had a chance to sample it? Have you guys all had a chance to, to watch an episode or two or five? Yeah, I've watched four episodes. I okay. haven't watched the fifth yet. I'm getting there. What about I'm, everyone I'm else? Good. I'm good. He is good. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I'm good. I'm up to five already. Um, also want to just uh, shout out to... Um, I'm scared of maybe putting his name out here because I don't want to incriminate him. But one of our very cool uh, fans actually also sent me links uh, to The Mandalorian because he had listened to our last podcast and uh, heard that I was struggling to get my hands on it. And he also sent me some links to get my hands on it to, to check it out. So thank you. You know who you are. Much appreciate it uh, because this is super cool. It's very curious to me that that Disney did not make this a global release. I mean, surely they anticipated the level of piracy that would happen if they did mm. not release a Star Wars, you know, standalone TV show to the world at the same time. Anyway. Yeah, especially if you country- consider for, for, for years, George Lucas wanted to do a, you know, a, a live action TV series based mm. on the Star Wars universe. You're not only opening the door to piracy, but you're kind of, Encouraging, encouraging it, it. in a, in a yeah. tacit way you're like saying well there's this amazing thing out you can only get it if you live in a certain part of the world but uh this is the internet age baby so that shouldn't stop you <laughs> you know if you if you yeah. want it badly enough you will find it yeah indeed. but i mean obviously they also want to make as much money as possible off their new streaming service so i think they, they're more focused on trying to you know get as much money as possible from the people that will pay they're not so much worried about people who want to watch. They want to build up that they need to watch it. So that when eventually it does go worldwide, there's tons more money they're going to make. I don't know. I disagree. I disagree. I think it's, it's like I, I don't do Pirate Bay. I don't do other means. But Star Wars will get me out of my shell and motivate me to educate myself in these things. And I think totally. there are a lot of people around the world in my position who are kind of of necessity having to educate themselves and why will I ever pay for it again if I know that there are ways and means of getting it for nothing hmm mm. tricky well, well mm. done Disney you dropped I'm... the ball there but I suppose they can afford to drop the ball a few more times <laughs> since they do own everything <laughs> I'm not going to assume that they have the infrastructure to support the bandwidth and all that that's one That's one thing but I can speak on maybe give some insight a little bit to Obviously, this is a Star Wars chat, or we're probably going to chat with some Star Wars, but I covered the first Empire Con at the LAX Marriott this last weekend. Nice. How'd that go? Yeah. I guess it caught my attention, because uh, I will say this, that if uh, it's your first time in Joburg, uh, G.I. Joburg, this is a podcast of G.I. Joe fans. If you don't know anything about G.I. Joe... It's pretty much the deepest property in our pop culture. But welcome if you're Star Wars, etc. Or if you're with uh, Show Masters. Cheers, guys. I think uh, basically it's interesting because I, I did go to a couple panels this weekend. And there is kind of, I don't know, it, it seems like the Star Wars movies want us to have a bigger conversation than what's happening on the screen. But... Nobody wants to create the forum for that conversation. Does that make sense? I think I know what you're getting at, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the subtext, right? Like, 
if the Mandalorian is, is a cinch, you know, is it a Western, is it Japanese? It doesn't matter because it's real. You know, it's real actors. They're mm. really kind of tripping over things, stuff like that. It just it feels like Star Wars. So, I mean, obviously the movies are reaching a bit further. And I, I don't want to have that conversation this morning, but I, I'm with Steven, not to reach too far back. If we're a capitalistic society, if we're consumers, then we're relevant, you know? We're relevant as long as our mind works. So I'm, I'm, I'm not stepping down. Speaking of the mind, <laughs> I love that the Mandalorian hasn't, and spoilers, uh, that hasn't had any Jedi in it yet. Like, maybe, I, I think it could just be that the last few Star Wars films have been so Jedi-infused that I'm kind of sick of Jedi at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and seeing like a non-Jedi kicking around and doing his thing in the, the Star Wars universe is, has been way more interesting for me. And I think that's one of the appeals to Rogue One as well, you know, is that it had minimal force in it. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's a lot more to the universe than just the force. Mm. I mean, it's it's one aspect of a giant, complicated place. Exactly. And um, I'm digging the sort of, I mean, this is a parallel I've drawn. I don't know if this is a popular uh, held opinion or whatever, but uh, I find that The Mandalorian is very much like uh, a manga called Lone Wolf and Cub, uh, which is about a ronin samurai who has this baby <laughs> that he has to now keep alive and get and keep away from enemies and i if if memory serves i believe the the baby is like the actual true heir to some shogunate or something like that and there are assassins that are trying to kill the baby so he's keeping this child alive and it's rip-roaring it's a really great story and i i draw a lot of parallels between that and the mandalorian although admittedly i haven't read lone wolf and cub in a very long time and i read it sporadically at best when i could get my hands on it so yeah, I'm I'm getting that feel from it, and that's cool because Star Wars has always had a bit of a, a foundation in Japanese cinema uh, or in Japanese storytelling, uh, with the original sort of being based on Hidden Fortress and you know the Kurosawa model of filmmaking. Mm. Yeah, but uh, that opening line. <laughs> wow. Well, let me uh, yeah, let me let me spin that uh, just because we got some folks in the room. The first person I chatted up, you know. If you're in an interview in the age of media, as it is now, it's sticky. But the first person I chatted up was Tate Fletcher. He's uh, he's the heavy Mando, the guy that goes, this is the way, you know, stands up to uh, the Mandalorian. Oh, fantastic. Get, they made him a specific suit of armor. That guy was completely humble. Like, he talked like old cinema. It was interesting. That interview might make me. It's interesting. But, uh... Uh, let's see, who else did I chat? I chatted two Jawas from the 77 film. <sighs> just, yeah, no, not, they, they never went actor, so it's just normal folks at their first convention. Ooh, those <laughs> stage lights were bright. Uh, who else did I chat with? Oh my god. Okay. Uh, Mr. Ellison, if, if you're in this, I am so sorry. Um, you know, like when you're doing your job and you forget to do the most obvious thing? I didn't record our conversation. Harrison Ellen Shaw is the matte painter on Star Wars. Also Empire Strikes Back. Also wow. Tron. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he created the world of Tron uh, visually. 
let's see, he was nominated with his father for art design on The Black Hole. Oh, cool. So, I recently watched that. Actually, yeah, no, I he was he was slow to kind of do the interview, but not because he didn't want to, just because of timing and energy and stuff. But a couple questions hit. He got to talk about his father a little bit. I really do hate myself for missing that conversation, but it's in my brain. I'll share it. Let's see. I chatted with uh, Boba Fett Special Edition. You know, the guy, the, the Boba Fett that looks at the camera in Doctor Who <laughs> 94? Yeah. Mark Austin. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's, he's class. Yeah, there's a, there's that, that podcast will hit. I'll, I'll share it. I think I'm going to create a new kind of uh, podcast feed, but I'll definitely share it. So I, I think that old Star Wars is still alive. I don't think we have to revel in it. Disney has its own story to tell, and I'm sure after uh, Rise of the Skywalkers hits, we'll probably chat it up. But I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the matte painter Cooge, because I must say that the Macquarie-esque paintings that close out each episode of Mandalorian are stunning. Yeah, they are very cool. Good call. Good call. That sort of montage, like you know, credits are often the most skippable parts in one's. Uh, binge watching um, sort of day to day way of life, but you are absolutely mm. compelled to watch every last drop of that show because those mm. paintings are beautiful. Really, just you know, give you a, a full summary of the episode. Um, but I'd like to know from the North American in the house, how do you pronounce the word C O V E N? Coven. Yeah. 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 Well, Mando Coven. says Coven. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe that's uh, maybe it's a Star Wars universe thing. So do do governors govern? <laughs> I don't know. I was just, <laughs> I, I was curious as to why he pronounced it so strangely. Because uh, you know the the Mandalorians have a a coven. Uh, they use that as the collective noun for a sort of group of Mandalorians, and. I just said Coven. What do you call a group of white men? A podcast. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> also, it's interesting, like, whenever there's a new bit of Star Wars lore added to the, 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 the canon, along comes interesting, I don't know, things that you could never have anticipated. Like, do you think ice hockey exists in the Star Wars world? Mm. Mm. As per that death stick scene. Because why would something the size and shape of a puck be called a puck a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away? Yeah, that is, I actually, now that you mention it, that did occur to me. It was a bit jarring. They were like, the pucks. I'm like, uh, you do realize that in the etymology of the word puck, it didn't exist before ice hockey. Ice hockey, yeah. Hmm. Well, maybe they do. I mean, they have horse racing, or at least a, a form of beast racing. I mean, they, they could have other similar recreational Try sports. telling that to Sir Pucks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, did you notice that uh, the Mandalorian himself literally has plot armor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an ongoing part of the plot that he's upgrading his armor. And, and, and in the figurative sense, he has plot armor because when he's being sneaky... It's silent, but when he wants to like turn on the sound of spurs <laughs> and make a noise <laughs> as he walks, there's the ching, 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 ching. Yeah. 
it's uh, uh it's... <laughs> he's got a little soundboard that exactly he's got on his belt he presses a button <laughs> <laughs> switch on the silent mode one of the uh one of the veteran actors gave like a speech before their premiere and uh yeah it i think it's it's real it's real acting it's uh I mean, I think they were calling people cowards because, or like, they're like, if you do Baby Yoda as a CGI, you're a coward. You know, you got to go puppet. So, okay. real. And they did for the most part. It's fantastic. Moving the focus over from, you know, Disney and Star Wars' TV adventure or, or episodic adventure to the, the saga proportions, guys. The end of the saga. Well, is it? I don't know. I don't know. It's certainly in this, in this, um, rather embattled iteration. Uh, any plans to see it opening day? Any plans to see it at all? Straw poll. Let's, let's get controversial up in here. I would like to see well, it out, um, on opening day. Hey, Paul, kind of speaking a, to a the mic. Sorry, my, I'm just trying to get the dogs out of my study at the moment because they've decided to barge Don't in. talk if you can't talk. <laughs> it's just that you asked something, so... And Paul was always... <laughs> Paul has to answer. So, so compelled. The power of answering compels me. Okay, one of you other guys speak then. Go good manners, good manners. Um, well, I the, the power of work compels me. Um, we're actually going Sunday, so... the next Sunday, so opening weekend to see the movie. At this point, I'd, I don't know if I would choose to go if, if you know, if, if, I had, if I had a choice. I don't think I would go. I mean, the trailers have been interesting, but all of the other news that I've read and watched about, like, so much drama behind the scenes, it's like, it just feels like they don't know what they're doing. And, like, I have, I have the lowest expectations ever for a movie for this film. Um, I could probably have just waited until it came out on like DVD, um, but yeah, the power of work compels me to go and watch it. Um, and watch it, I shall. As long as long as I'm not paying for it, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. Hell yeah. I think I echo the sentiment that uh, a number of friends of G.I. Joburg, and you know who you are, have expressed, and that's. Uh, I think I would be far more enthused, or at least I would take an interest. If I was raising the next generation of little jabbers, um, let me elaborate. I think I think it's a it's a fun jump on point for kids. If I had kids of my own, I would, with all the love in my heart, be attending opening day because a Star Wars is fun. There will no doubt be lots of lights and sounds and clashing of lightsabers and a uh, great soundtrack you know it's it's fantastically beautiful and well presented filmmaking but i have failed to connect with any of the new characters they've had two movies to win me over and yeah man i just i can't stand any of them to be honest so i'm one of those cantankerous old bastards who <laughs> believe that these sequel trilogy films diminish my enjoyment of Star Wars so let me rather pull the plug and limit the damage by just pretending it never existed hmm. I was just at a holiday party and uh, Star Wars came up and somebody called me a purist I think uh, 
Is that necessarily a derogatory term? Well, I mean, this is what you're looking at. You're looking at three generations or a handful of generations, and one sees a parody of something, and one sees uh, something that they feel is mythology, essentially. So I, I don't think there's anybody that's wrong. I think there's a disconnect a little bit. Can you make a movie through test screenings? I mean, I feel like they've 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 openly said that they do screen tests and whichever jerks people around emotionally the most, they pick those scenes. Mm. That doesn't say creativity to me. So I think that it doesn't feel again like The Mandalorian is about actors acting. That's an artistic vision that is being followed, as opposed to chasing yeah. responses. They have a saying in the theatre that a laugh chased is never caught. Mm. Ah. That's, it's not, that's not going to age well, ages. I don't think. Yeah. Like, I just think about, like, there's a lot of things I could say about The Last Jedi, and we have, we all have. They still get tons of play on YouTube. <laughs> By the way, hashtag YouTube is over party. Are you sweating, HCC? You know what, brother? There's nothing better than uh, starting something new. Like a joke like uh, like a prank call in a Star Wars movie, that shit's not going to play for a minute. So I, I don't know where that goes. But like I said, I think uh, like Hollywood wants to have a bigger conversation or they want to force society to have a bigger conversation. Okay, I'll have it. I'm a reporter. Where are you guys at? They seem to be more thrill rides than they are considered, uh, you know, things that you're meant to consider afterwards. You go to the cinema, you enjoy them. I mean, I can admit that when I originally saw Last of the Jedi, I mean, Last of the Jedi, is that what it's called? I don't know. Um, that movie. I, I enjoyed most of it as I watched it. But then you, you get out of the cinema and you start actually thinking about what happened. Um, it just, films tend to fall apart, a little, especially these big blockbuster films. They're not designed to, to be enjoyed long-term. They, they're designed to get you into the seats right now, make the studios tons of money, but they're not meant to stand the test of time. They're designed like that specifically. Not that older phones were designed you know, to last for years and years and years. It was more like people had a story to tell. They wanted mm -hmm. to tell it, and they went and did it. I mean, if you think about the 80s and how experiment, I mean, it feels experimental now because they just they did anything. I mean... Mm -hmm. There's hundreds and thousands of movies that came out in the 80s that are absolutely ridiculous and would never be made today. Killer yeah, Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's just like absolutely off-the-wall stuff, but even just like normal stuff, um, I don't think would be made today. I mean, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I can't think of any examples, but um, everything has to has to catch people right now in the moment and take mm. take money from the people. It's not about, it's not about <sighs> filmmaking. It's just about making money. I don't know, man. I, I stand by the fact that, like, I was not um, on the fence after watching it for the first time. It made me angry to my core when I watched it the first time. And if you <laughs> doubt my resolve, I refer you back to our end of 2017 um, Star Wars The Last Jedi wrap-up. Where... Check the tape. Sorry, was it 2018? I don't know, whenever it was. Check the tape, exactly, man. I saw it with my brother, and he he uh, had no problem with it. But once again, i got to like point to the generalization I made earlier, because Mark is a family man. You know, he watches stuff that just amuses his children, and, and 
thinks nothing of it and, you know, moves on to the next one. I guess I take these things far too seriously because I have not yet spawned. <laughs> you know, it's not just a case of passing the time. My time is still valuable. I'm like, I want this to, to mean something, damn it. And if it doesn't, then it is a waste, a wasted opportunity. I think you're in that scene with Roddy Piper and Keith David, and he's like, put on the sunglasses, and Keith David's mm-hmm. like, I got a family, man. <laughs> Can't do it. <laughs> oh, it's such a cool movie, that. It's a good um, scene, too. It's a good mm-hmm. fight. It's <laughs> ridiculous and excellent, mm-hmm. all at once. Thank you for referring me to that. Guys, have we flogged this horse yet? I think well, so. I mean, we, we've talked about the positives, the negatives. Um... Only if my wife says, we have to see it, Stephen. Come, I'm taking you to the cinema. <laughs> Will I see it? Otherwise, it's I a think, big old skipper oodle for me. I think, unfortunately, I've had a little bit of the Kool-Aid in the sense that I've got to watch it on, on opening day because, like I mentioned before, it's like it's been a bit of a tradition for me to watch all the Star Wars stuff, the new Star Wars stuff that's come out on, on first day. And I enjoy maintaining that. With a new girlfriend. Yeah. But <laughs> oh, too soon? No, no, whatever. <laughs> but like Rogue One, I watched by myself and it was amazing. Um, I'm probably going to go watch this one by myself. Ironically, you totally did not cool. see Solo. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually the one, that's the one Star Wars film I didn't watch. But to be fair, we were in the States. And I was actually more um, excited about being in the States and going to watch Solo. Uh, but as was I, it's kind of yeah. But I had my rubber yeah. arm twisted. Yeah, no, true. But here's the thing: like, I uh, I really hate spoilers and stuff like that. I really, really hate it. Like, I like to go into a movie cold and not know what to expect, and or or at least have uh, a a very a low expectation of what's coming my way even if I am excited about the film like Ghostbusters or Blade Runner um I still like to go in there cold I don't want somebody telling me uh, I even somebody like giving me their opinion sometimes can actually serve as a bit of a spoiler because often like I can get in, like, I can suss that person out and be like yeah wow so now I'm going to go into this film like not enjoying it which is which is why I was lucky with the Joker Thankfully, because I didn't have a lot of people dispense Or there. Joker. Or Joker. Mm-hmm. I'm going to correct That's you like every three times time. you've done that. <laughs> yeah, three but times. the thing is, it's, it's still the Joker. I know the movie is Joker, but still, whatever. And um, <laughs> and it's Joker, bro. It's not the Joker. Anyways. Yeah, but when we refer to... Anyway. Um, <laughs> but my whole thing... But, like, you see, that kind of shit. <laughs> but, like, seriously, though. I have to go into a film cold, and if if some kid like tells me about some scene in a movie or somebody I'm like at a party or whatever, God forbid, and somebody like mentions something from a film, it like pisses me off. It really does, because I'm like, well, thank you, especially if I have to hear their opinion on it, and that cool. yeah, it just it drives me crazy. Yeah. Can I mention something in a trailer? Will that trigger you? Not necessarily, because a lot of the time, it, with with good films, or should I say with something like Star Wars, they're normally quite crafty with their trailers. You know? Okay, well, I'll say and, this. Even if you're the most jaded among us, Abrams and Disney still play with live ammo. Like, Abrams <laughs> is deep in the game. Flight 815 from Lost? Oh, really? How about 1815? The island? Black Rock? The Black Rock is at the center of the 1606 Mercator map, guys. Uh, by the way, that's what it lo- the Star War- or the uh, Death Star debris looks like. Anywho, 
Yes, go see it. Why not? Participate in your uh, collapsing culture. But we will <laughs> renew. We will renew. <laughs> we will revolt. That was like one okay, breath, guys. We've gone one 45 breath. minutes without uh, mentioning G.I. Joe. Joe. Holy shit, guys. It's the 12 days of Christmas creator spotlights. Hey. Hell yeah. We are each going to uh, show some love to three creatives, either in the G.I. Joe field or outside of the G.I. Joe field. And, uh, hey, three times four is twelve, so boom, the twelve days of Christmas. So on the first day of Christmas, yeah. my true love gave to me, Talking Joe with Chief and Chris. Woo! Hey! Guys, the boys from, uh, Talking Joe podcast, Chief, Chris, Ben, and guests, have done what many have set out to do, but to my mind... None have succeeded at doing. And that's doing a complete review of all 155 issues of the Marvel comic, plus special missions. They did it. They crossed that finish line a week ago, and I'd just like to say publicly that uh, G.I. Joburg congratulates them. Um, it has been my go-to podcast for a year now, practically. Uh, and I've loved absolutely every episode. A uh, very charismatic trio, though, you know, broken up into a, a pair of duos. <laughs> uh, Chief holds it together. He's the man. He's got incredible raps and rhymes um, and a briskness that I absolutely admire. Very British of him. Ben feels like the, the childhood friend I, I never had but wish I did. He's a good, good dude. Lovely stuff on Instagram as well. And Chris, as you know, is, is the finest guy in the G.I. Joe podcast game, bar none. I mean, he's keeping us up to date on one hand. What the hell? He knows more about everything <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, he's in deep with creatives. Uh, he's our man on the spots. Um, the G.I. Joe community owe this man a big debt. And we all do for... The Talking Joe podcast, which I absolutely adore. I mean, I, I, I cast my mind back to the very first podcast on the G.I. Joe topic that I ever became a fan of, that I ever listened to. It was a, a show that has gone from the annals of history now into podcast oblivion, but they were called G.I. Joe Review, hosted by Matt, Chad, and Christopher, and I absolutely adored it, but... Um, yeah, they stopped short of the, the goal, which was to review all of the uh, Marvel comic series. So, they have been surpassed. Well done, Talking Joe. Yeah, I salute them. Nice job, guys. It was interesting that, I think it was the last episode, Chris and Ben had some interesting dialogue energy. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? I don't know, guys. Mm. Talk Check it yourselves. out and find out. Yeah. Figure it out for yourself. Cliffhanger. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Take it away, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> so I spend a lot of time on Instagram. I like looking at pictures. I, I think in general I'm quite a visual guy. And one of the people that I've, I've followed for quite, for quite a while is Backyard Joe's. Um, oh, he's great. He's absolutely amazing. I mean, if you think 
Gian Joburg gets out into nature in our videos. This guy, he does the same, but in picture form. Um, he, he will take his toys almost anywhere. I mean, he'll even give, give it to his kids and have them play with them. I mean, what a guy. What a guy. <laughs> That's really getting wild with your toys. And, like, you just... The nature shots are absolutely amazing, and... And it's just really cool. I just I just love the, all the figures that he has. And sometimes it even feels like there's, like, stories, you know, kind of, like, certain pictures kind of connect to other series of pictures. And... um He's very creative um, in, in what he does to kind of get the shots. And he just seems to be having a lot of fun. And, yeah, I absolutely love his, his pictures, and I, I hope to enjoy them for years to come. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. <laughs> Could you take it away? <laughs> um, when we first threw this topic together, this is intended to put a spotlight on indie creators wherever but I would also like to extend it to our social media. If you have somebody in your family, somebody that needs visibility, it does not have to be Joe stuff. It can be a pot holder for your parakeet. Then just tag it with GI Joe this month and we'll bump it in our timeline. Maybe somebody needs that. Who knows? Let's see. Um, I had a, I wanted to recognize plastic battles. He's, he's still taking pics. Uh, the most recent is that fire bat pick. Uh, I love the lighting. Um, I love the mojo he brings with that podcast. It's niche. He talks to uh, photographers, uh, probably like the one you just mentioned. Are you talking about the shot of the Avax? All sort yes. of in run, you know, mid run. They're all levitating, man. It's incredible. Some trick photography mm-hmm. going on there, but they're all like they're running so fast to man their jets that they're all practically airborne. It's incredible. Well, Beautiful. I know he's, he's into the neon lighting, and uh, I definitely appreciate him kind of getting a synth wave on it. Um, <laughs> but he did have his, I think his last podcast, he interviewed that uh, one photographer who's really kind of changed the game, uh, Nate Maller. Maller? Myler? Nate Maller. Um, Nate Maller. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think he, he reinvented still wool, I think, but uh, or cotton, whichever. But uh, no, he's uh, he chatted him up. That's a nice podcast to catch. And I think if you want a stocking stuff, uh, plastic battles, pick up one of his uh, crimson crimson guard stickers. Three bucks. Slap that on anything. On the fourth day of Christmas, Paul gave to me. Well, seeing as you fuckers took all of my dudes, um, <laughs> but I gotta say, Bobby Vala, uh, his new line of Action Force figures are looking really, really amazing. It's so cool to, that he's had his crowdfunding goal reached, and he's still going strong, um, busy funding a new character called Eclipse. I, I don't know, just as somebody who really wants to make toys, I'm very excited about what he's doing, and uh, I, I would love more people to, to get drawn to him, you know, to go and get stuff. So if you've been listening to this podcast and somehow missed every episode that I've mentioned Bobby Vala, or missed every mention of Bobby Vala's Kickstarter for some reason, well... Here you go. Go and check him out. Uh, his Action Force line is kicking serious butt. So, go and check that man yes, out. Yes, the Kickstarter was fully funded at uh, just over 130%. Uh, he's now working towards Ooh. getting figures in the hands of people who did not support the Kickstarter. So, you can now head over to crowdox.com. And what is fun about pledging at this stage, okay, you've kind of missed the boat when it comes to the Kickstarter exclusives, 
but whatever you pledge on Crowdox serve to further unlock the unlockables from the Kickstarter. So the more people get in on it, the sweeter the pot is and the more diverse toy options you can have. So it's 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 the gift that keeps on giving. Like uh, you mentioned Eclipse, she's kind of a third of the way uh, funded, I believe, uh, either a quarter or a third of the way funded. So the more people support this cause, the better it is for everyone. So we are big time supporters of Valiverse and Action Force. And Bobby's such a savvy dude, man. Like I've got to sing his praises for having the gumption to phone up his lawyer and say, "Hey, are there any um?" trademarks that have kind of fallen out of disuse oh what hasbro doesn't want action force anymore <laughs> they don't want steel yeah. brigade anymore well i'm buying it that's mine now <laughs> so yeah i'd goff my hat to you sir <laughs> steel brigade is, is like the tetris of action figures hell yeah <laughs> oh it's nintendo everywhere. just basically ripped it off of uh russia oh okay yeah, bought it for like basically the Louisiana purchase. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and ironically, uh, unlike Bobby Vola, the true creator of Tetris is still sort of like unknown. And the person who comp- uh, composed that song is it's an unknown composer. Nobody knows who did it, and whoever does know is not spilling the beans. So. But you know what? They got the architecture out. I don't know that we'd recognize those weird buildings if not for Tetris. <laughs> now we know. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Kickly Yilkick. Damn it, guys. If you are a fan of the Gerido classic G.I. Joe artworks, Kickly is a scribe of Gerido. And uh, correct my pronunciation if I get it wrong, Paul, but the man uses gouache techniques mm. to really just ramp up the color, the energy, the fun of that classic artwork he's got such a great style when it comes to gi joe and a great appreciation of what gi joe artwork means to the community every time he posts something new i i think i screenshot it and just like pour over it for a while because it's stunning i think he's put out a lookbook of all his uh his joe vember illustrations uh, or paintings yeah he's doing a sketchbook Dude, dude, mm. that's that's some coffee table material right there. Uh, it's a true celebration of of the diversity of the characters of GI Joe, man. Like, mm. there were some great icons produced by this toy line, the greatest toy line ever created. Uh, and and his work is a celebration of that. I particularly like his his sort of group scenes. There was a sequence, basically a skyline that's on fire with hiss tanks and Cobra air power and just firepower it's just oh as i say the energy is incredible so i salute you sir create a spotlight on kickly hell yeah on the sixth day of christmas my true love gave to me what you got robbie seventh seventh day seventh of christmas day. my true love gave to me hey you sure <laughs> well yeah dude we were oh or maybe it's the sixth i don't know anyway <laughs> whatever day it is there's some more eggnogs. <laughs> uh, Cujo mentioned it briefly, but I'll, I'll probably talk a bit more. If backyard Joe's is the is the the ruler of the outdoors in pictures, mate Mylar 
is the the ruler of the studio pictures, I believe, in my opinion. The way that mm. he sets up his picks is absolutely astounding. I mean, I love his colors. The, the, so dynamic. Um, and it's it's beautiful because he shares the picture, and then he kind of shows you the scene, how he set the diorama up, and I can't even imagine how much how much work goes into like making each of these scenes. I mean, can you even imagine? I mean, he's even reproduced several um, of the box arts from some of the toys, including the snowcat. Um, it's just and comic it's mind blowing, well. and comic mm-hmm. covers, and then just his own original stuff. It's absolutely mind blowing. I look at it and I'm like, it's I can't even imagine like being able to do this. I think if we we had to turn back the clock to like the 80s and whatever, and Matt Myler was like a professional then, or you know doing these shots then, I think those would have been used as the catalog shots for GI Joe. Oh, um, absolutely. I mean, this this blows anything in the catalogs out of the water. Everything he does is absolutely amazing. Um, he's one of the newer guys that I, well, I discovered only very recently, um, but definitely worth checking out on Instagram. I'm sure he's on other platforms. And he has a Patreon if you want to help support him uh, in creating these mind-blowing shots. Like, I can't get enough of them. They're absolutely amazing. Sorry I stole your, one of your people, PJ. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. Sorry, Actually, have, uh, an interest... You have a lot more. Oh, I, I'm, I'm sure I can pull somebody, but... Now, I think uh, an interesting origin story, at least from the tweets, which maybe uh, Mate will come on and chat us up someday. I just remember early on in the tweets, he's like, he must have busted up with his girlfriend or something. And he's like, now I can take more Joe pictures now that you're out of the house. I'd like to know that story. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's I important think, uh, to find a partner who... Uh at least tolerates your hobby. <laughs> he or she doesn't have to oh, encourage, thanks. but uh, uh, yeah, it, it can't be, it can't be a, a me or it. Mm, too true. Thanks, Kim, for tolerating Stephen's hobby. Gosh, since you stole Bobby Valor from me, Paul, maybe I should <laughs> make Kim my, my final shout out. Mm, I shall consider it. <laughs> but Cooch, you're up, buddy. Uh, who, uh, who are you throwing uh, some love at? Seven, two, first. Well, you, I do like Sing it, Rob. Sing so... it, baby. <laughs> On the seventh day of Christmas, G.I. Joburg threw at me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um... No, I, I want to recognize one of my friends uh, from the cannabis community. I don't want to get too woke around here. Um, no, but uh, if you're looking for a fresh story, uh, he, he's an indie comic creator. Created a book called Oi, uh, Tales of Bardic Fury. Uh, my friend Daniel D'Souza. D'Souza? Um, but anyway, it's kind of like a Scott Pilgrim uh, versus, uh, let's see, some kind of like uh, Irish folklore tale I, I i like the art i like the uh he paints everything so it's flat but the lines are strong i do like the characters he's created so if you're looking for some kind of indie tale you enjoy cannabis you want to support creators then uh i'll hang that hashtag on it daniel D'Souza, look him up on the eighth day of christmas gi joberg introduced me to someone that paul enjoys <laughs> okay, so this guy's like not G.I. Joe related at all, but because, you know, we all like cool art here and, and on the topic of like, you know, art books and things like that, uh, there's an artist that I'm following on ArtStation called Giorgio Baroni, 
and he's got two art books that he did based on Inktober, and it's all like you know sort of dystopian cyberpunk artwork and uh, dystopian cyberpunk characters and weird fantasy esque scenes, and it's definitely for fans of things like um well definitely for fans of art like Mobius's art. If you are familiar with Mobius, he's one of the greatest concept artists and comic artists that we've ha- ever had. French guy though. Um and he's just <laughs> you know, he is, he's a French, French comic. Mm. Yeah, he's French, so mm. he might not be that cool. well known to to like, you know, non you know, European fans <laughs> and things like that. But he's uh, cool he's but a, he's French. But he's French. It's French. You know, it's not like the French don't say that stuff about us. Anyway, you know, all jokes aside, I mean, those books are pretty cheap. I think they're like $6 each. Um, there's two of them. They're available. Uh, and, yeah, unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to get my own one. Um, but I am looking at getting uh, purchasing one. But I have followed all of the artworks on Instagram. And I'm always about, like, supporting artists with that kind of thing. You know, they've got, like, a an art book in PDF format or something that you can get your hands on online. Uh, it's always cool to get that. Uh, especially if it's only like six dollars or whatever, you know, and you know, the, those kind of things go a long way, you know, to supporting that artist, you know, and, uh, if that artist happens to be a toy collector, which I don't think he is, it definitely goes a long way to supporting that toy habit that he or she may have. So, <laughs> so that's, that's, oh, yeah. that would be people being creative. So that's Giorgio Baroni. And yes, I'll make sure that I have a link to his, uh, art station store page. Or Gumroad. On the ninth day of Christmas, Stephen thanked his wife. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had three. I um, had one stolen from me, so I guess I'm just going to say thanks, Kim, for uh, being my toy mule. Though this is a creator spotlight, and she's not creating anything Joe-related, so... Thanks, but no she thanks, She is. Rob. She's helping us make good content in the future. Yeah, she's helping G.I. Joe Berg make Berg. content. <laughs> exactly. I mean, to be honest, um, I'd have approximately five or six figures here with me had it not been for Kim's um, toy muling. Uh, and, <laughs> and she will be bringing me a, a, a Christmas box, shall we say. Um, of goodies that has, have been forwarded on to uh, to the address in Australia. And if you are one of those wonderful people that contributed to that box, you know who you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, gratefully received by the boy. <laughs> on the ninth day of Christmas, Cujo threw at us. Tenth. Rob. Tenth day. Tenth day of Christmas, Rob showed us something cool. <laughs> okay, so for my final one, it's it's an account that I also discovered recently, and he's doing what I wish I could do if if I if I had money and the ability to travel. He is taking a figure everywhere <laughs> and just having fantastic, beautiful, amazing adventures, and in, just you know taking my favorite figure everywhere. And this is the Daily Scoop, 1989. Um, It it makes me so happy. Like, every time I see a new picture of his come up, I'm like, yeah, that's right. Scoop is a Jedi. (laughs) (laughs) That was a cool shot, by the way. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. It's absolutely beautiful. And he's just, it's everything that I I would love to do with my Scoop. Just take him around the world, 
show off all the places you, you know like Leonard would probably go to kind of like do interviews and 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 film documentaries and stuff and it makes me so happy to see someone else loving scoop as much as I do and yeah go check him out <laughs> only him as a goal Lenora <laughs> oh. oh that's true match made in heaven <laughs> but that's okay I'm, I'm sure there's some scoops girl scoop lovers out there I'm sure they are. Hit me up, guys. <clears throat> cool. On Twitter. No clarity yet. That's my, my Twitter username, by the way. Hit me up, girls. Who are like you, scoop. Do you think you could make a case for TikTok having any integrity on that platform? Or is it just wilding out at this point? What's a TikTok? Exactly. <laughs> TikTok. That's the right answer. <laughs> Hell yeah. No, I think TikTok is... It's for... <sighs> I mean, there's lots of different age people on there, but it seems to be very much aimed at a younger generation of people. So very young people go on there. I mean, there are there are some people who I think who get lots of views, lots of shares and things, but it's definitely about memeing and, and doing the latest trend on on the platform itself. I'm not sure how far TikTok can go with um, people trying to take it seriously, you know, or taking themselves seriously, or at least having fun in a more mature way, as it were. Sing me and Rob. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. Maybe me and Kuzo can turn it around. We can make a TikTok great again. <laughs> <laughs> Sing me in, buddy. Sing me in. Hell yeah. So, on the 11th day of Christmas, Kujo introduced to us. You guys did pillage my picks. Um, Hell yeah. I, I echo Kickley. I think uh, if somebody ever goes, oh, somebody who's a fan of a property can't can't do it well. Uh, yeah, they can. Um, no, Kickley has the heartbeat of the brand. You know, that's the the card art is what never leaves people. And and then I think if you uh, enjoy his work, you can definitely support his either his Patreon or he has some sort of uh, cash app type thing. But He's doing a comic, uh, G-I-X. I don't know too much about it. It could That's be kind of cool. like a, a spinoff or something, but it's definitely worth your eyeballs. He probably has like a, a, a free three pages or something, but yeah, tip his stocking or, or whatever he does. I saw one page of it, and it looks terrific. It, uh, it's, yeah. it, it has a painterly style and also kind of a almost neo-apocalyptic 2000 AD feel to it. Mm. Um, beautiful. Like this this big, awesomely ugly bomber just <laughs> dropping a payload of, of destruction. I mean, it's, it's G-I-X. Clearly, he's making a play for the IP without, you know, falling foul of copying the IP, uh, which is something that any or smart... the target market... Any smart G.I. Joe fan slash creative should be doing. Hell, we should be doing mm. that. Um, we kind of thought about it for a while, uh, but uh, we just love talking about G.I. Joe too damn much to start up our own <laughs> game. Well, I yeah. did bend over a drawing board for about two years. I was going to say. got the it. black book, baby. Woo! I was going to yeah, say, it's very Pitch, reminiscent of like, a certain black book. Is it yours to pedal? If Hasbro wanted to slap you with a cease and desist for using Dusty, they could. Is it Dusty? Is mm, it? Is it? Mm. Oh, okay. That is true. Coming to a black book near you. Um, no, well, I, I congratulations I'll, I'll to both of you for the black book. 
let's not beat around the bush or act bashful here. I didn't want to make this about us, but that is a triumph in and of itself. Congratulations, gentlemen. You asked me what my thoughts were, and I never got to elaborate because I felt like they stood on its own. When I said that what you put into it is what you get out, but really there is so much detail and so much love and care taken with every page that you can pin them up and admire them for hours. Congratulations, boys. Damn, you, dude. dude. Yeah, yeah. Dinner's on me tonight. What's your cash app? Do, 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 do. Um, <laughs> they don't have that in China. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. No, I think, uh, yeah, I think this is 2020. What is it? It's perfect vision. Uh, support the people around you. Like, yes, go see, go see Star Wars because it's culturally relevant, but no. for fuck's sake, don't give the mouse your everything you earn. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, uh, tip the podcast you listen to, uh, not us. You know, we'll, we'll ask for your money at times, but no, it's, <laughs> uh, that's, that's what access is. That's what these tools are. Help people, yo. That's, that's my uh, final stocking stuffer. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely in an age now where there's just so many creative people out there and they, it's, it's wonderful that, so many people are supporting these creative people. Um, and there really is this kind of indie wave, you know, where you can directly support anyone that you really enjoy the stuff of. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah, as Kudra said, go and see the big stuff, you know, um, stay in with the conversation. But um, spend your money on, on, on the people that you really love so they can keep making what they enjoy doing and you enjoy uh, consuming. So Consume. Has everyone cleared their slate? I might have to. No, I Hell thought no. one. Yeah, I thought we had the, oh. the 12th day of Christmas. How does that work anyway? Do you start counting down the days from like the 23rd? No, sorry, the third. No, the third. Huh? The 13th. The 13th? The 13th. Whoa. No, he's, he's, <laughs> it's just gone 4 a.m. I think it starts on day one because you're kind of leading up to winter solstice, maybe. Mm. Mm. Quit your pagan talk here. Yeah, (laughs) stow that double talk. It's all about the reason for the season, man. I'm talking about Jesus. That's right. (laughs) On the twelfth day of Christmas, Paul introduced to us. Well, it's nobody really knew, but like they definitely deserve your dollars. Uh, 3D Joes. Uh, I I really love what. what 3D Joe's is doing, and I always have, and you know they've got these amazing posters uh, that they sell, as well as these really well curated books um, that they've put together, which you can now own uh, either in an electronic format uh, or as a physical copy. And I believe they might still actually have the hard, some of the hard copies available. Um, I love what they're doing. I think uh, they have been they have been very valuable uh, to GI Joburg. Uh, just as a website, they have been very valuable um, to us, and I'm sure they have been very valuable to a lot of you guys out there as fans. I'm sure a lot of you have these posters up on your walls, um, you know, adorning your G.I. Joe collection rooms. But I know that there's some of you that don't, and I think you should get on that and, and get them in, into your house. Because what's cooler than having a massive checklist of all these toys that you love that, you know, that you want uh, in your in your collection room? And uh, I, I would really love to send them a lot of love because they do a lot for this community uh they 
you know, they've, they've gone through all of that trouble to put those books together, to put those posters together, to then do uh, 360 degree panoramic uh, shots or 360 degree turnaround shots for their website. And that stuff's not free and it's not easy and it's a lot of time. And I definitely think that they, they earn your, they, they deserve your shekels. So, uh, yeah, to Carson Metaxas and your team at 3D People Joe's. People aren't lining up to take pictures of copperheads, but you hear me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we all want to see it, right? Yeah, we all want to see it, and we all want to see its backside, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> because why not? No, uh, but I mean, how many times have I gone onto that website personally as an artist, especially during November, that I, I used their website as my port of call for reference? You know, I, I didn't want to sort of ape the box art. I wanted to, do, to sort of bring the toy to life and, and embellish it a little bit. And that's what I did. And I can tell you now, the majority of my reference shots all came from 3D Joes, uh, especially for GI Joes that I don't own. Like, for example, Mirage. I don't own a vintage Mirage or a vintage Airtight. And I needed those. Um, I needed their awesome website to help me with the smaller nitty-gritty details. So, yeah, please, give them your money. They they are well-deserving, and their stuff is not super expensive. And if you have a special G.I. Joe fan in your life and you don't know what to buy them because they already have all of the toys, I'm pretty sure they're going to love one of those books. Mm. <laughs> hint, hint. Nice. <laughs> wow, okay. 12 days, 12 creators. Well done, boys. I'd like to know, since we are being taken over by the Yuletide, does anyone have any cherished Christmas toy memory they'd like to share? Let me, uh, let me install a, a intruder party, uh, just because I might have to pull the ripcord here in a second. I think my cherished toy memory would come from my grandparents' house, and it was an AT-AT. And Ooh. thinking back... Why was that the most cherished? I did have the Death Star set. Remember it had the uh, the the compactor with those foam pieces in it and that little Dianoga and stuff. That was all right. That was all right. But I, I would question, is the AT-AT the most interesting play set ever released? Because the mythology of the movie, obviously, and that, and that fight scene, but also it's got a compartment for to carry people. It's an action set piece, and it's a an attack vehicle. What say you guys? The ad ad is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, Steven owns one, um, and it is a beautiful thing to behold. And it's so big. On his fridge. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's so big. I mean, I didn't think, I mean, I'm sure they've produced lots of other, you you know, very big um, vehicles, but it feels, to you know, it's obviously, I don't think it's terribly to scale, but I mean, it still is so big. It's fantastic. It feels meaty. It feels like you can actually do stuff with it. Um, yeah, I know that. So I'm sure Cooch is referring to the classic Kenner no, Attack sure. and not the, the the remake. The classic one is still a, still a substantially big toy. I mean, it was big when I was little. Yeah, no, hey. I, I was about to say yeah. exactly. It's about perceptions. I think the whatever they call it, the Saga Collection uh, or mm. Legacy Collection Attack, just the big Attack. Um, it, it's, it's kind of making us feel like kids again because relative to how big we are now, that's how big the classic Atat seemed. So yeah, absolutely, Cooge. 
It was all those things. Action set piece, a diorama, an attack vehicle. Like an MCC. And just quite unique in the world of toys. You know, a quadrupedal walking thing. Uh, I think it still stands alone as like the only pop culture mechanical camel. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, how many guys have like dressed it up? Like, I I remember a few Christmases ago, I saw people posting pictures of their at-ats with um, doggy jerseys, you know, but like Christmas style doggy jerseys and little leashes and little collars on their at-ats. And I thought that was like super cute. One of the first things I did when I got the big uh, at-at was stage a photograph of it kind of jumping onto the couch and me shooting at a disapproving look like, no boy, not on the couch. Get off. Get off the couch. (laughs) I should dig that up. Gee whiz, blast from the past. Yeah, because me, I I don't think I've shared this story before. Um, I think one of the, the Christmases I sort of cherished the most uh, has to be when I turned six years old. So it was, it was like, it was pretty much the the Christmas that. Okay, when I say this, I'm saying this very tongue in cheek. But it was the Christmas that sort of ruined my life. <laughs> um, but only because that was the Christmas I received my first ever games console. Uh, my parents bought me a NES, or in to to put it more accurately, a knockoff. Of of the soup of the original Famicom, which is the Japanese Nintendo. Was it a good boy? No, it was an NTDEC. Whoa! <laughs> so it was like the Nintendo logo was like butchered, and it even had Pac-Man in there for the C. So the C was made out of Pac-Man. <laughs> so it was called an NTDEC. But I, you know, in a, in a world where other people were getting golden chinas. <laughs> anyway, um, it was a really great Christmas, and the reason I cherish it so much is because. You know, that was as a great point in my life. You know, everything was new. Everything was amazing. I had just finished, like, nursery school. I was going to big school, as we called it when we were kids. And um, everything, you know, like, you know, life hadn't gotten difficult yet or crazy yet. You know, it was all, life was just about, like, toys and the cool stuff that you could do. And and I got a games console, and a games console would have, well, I mean, that's that was one of the first major influences into my career, into, you know, giving my art a purpose, you know, giving me a purpose for my art, should I say, rather. I mean, I was drawing a lot, but the, that video game console coming into my life and, and introducing video games uh, to me would uh, get me into drawing and, and making up my own video games on paper and things like that. And, you know, teaching me, you know, that... Well, teaching my my older self that that's actually like what my inner child is about. It's about making uh, cool experiences and making cool stuff. Yeah, and and I won't lie, it didn't hurt that I got a um uh, an Optimus Prime, uh, which I now know is God Ginrai. Uh, but I got the Japanese Optimus Prime uh, back then as well. Of all the Christmas presents that were underneath the Christmas tree for me, that one was the most odd looking because it was. I thought it was like maybe like. My grandmother had gotten me like, uh, you know, underwear or something stupid like that. You know, like, you know, nobody wants to get socks and underwear for Christmas. So I thought it was something like that. So it was actually the present I opened last because I was all like, well, it just looks like a rock or something squishy. But what it actually was, was God Ginrai in his internal packaging, because obviously um, this, this was brought by my friend's dad from overseas. And he couldn't very well bring the whole box for this toy. And so it was just the inside packaging with all of the accessories and the manual and the stickers and everything and the the huh. sort of, 
Does yeah. that mean it was in a foam tray? I didn't get it in a foam tray. I got it in like the baggie. Like it, it's like sealed baggie. It was in sealed baggies <laughs> of stuff. So official packaging. It was just a sealed bag. No, the, it's the packaging inside from inside the packaging. Because you see, he brought one back for James. Um, he did bring one box back, but he didn't. He threw away the styrofoam, um, and kept the outer the outer shell which he had flattened and put in his bag so that we could see the the artwork on the box because he thought it was really cool. Uh, because James's dad built model kits and things like that, so he was very much a big kid as well. Just so he was like, so... uh, "Paul, I'm sorry to interrupt your flow, brother." <clears throat> no, it's cool, man. You Remember when I bro? said I'd kill you guys last? I lied. <laughs> um, no, I I do have to drop out, guys. Merry Christmas. 2019 was a win for me. I know it's all hell outside, but thank you guys. Um, okay, I love you. I'm not afraid to say that because it's 2020, bitch. Um, I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Cheers, future. See you soon. Good. Yeah, so that so that would be like an awesome. That would be like my most cherished Christmas, the one that I got my first games console on, and Optimus Prime, my only Transformer for the longest time. Boomtown. <laughs> Hell yeah. I've been vacillating over which one to to cite. I guess I'll just do a brief rundown of um, a few. Childhood ones uh, are are numerous, and a lot of them involve G.I. Joe. I remember getting Snake Eyes version 3 one fine Christmas morning, and there's a picture taken... There's photographic evidence. There is photographic evidence of a very uh, young Steve in Christmas of 1990 holding his uh, butterfly knives, Snake Eyes, proudly, uh, alongside my brother and sister. Um, That Snake Eyes was not long for this earth, I still believe someone might have uh, walked off with him. Nicked him. Yeah. There was the other Christmas where I reasoned that uh, as soon as um, I've woken up, that counts as Christmas Day, even if it's four in the morning (laughs) and still dark outside. (laughs) So that was the Christmas I decided to uh, unwrap and begin assembling my Cobra Bug in the dark. Which is a quite a nebulous vehicle design. I thought the back was the front and vice versa. I mean, in the dark, like, can you blame me for thinking that, yeah, it's basically like a backwards vehicle. I mean, it, it's, it's a ridiculous design. Um, there was another year where I got the Micro Machines, uh, Millennium Falcon. That was also like in the theory that I think it was 1996. Uh, the theory was, yeah, if it's Christmas morning, if I have gone to sleep and woken up, then it counts. And <laughs> so I, I hid from, I was behind the couch this, this time, uh, hoping that my uh-huh. mother wouldn't intercept me. But, uh, <clears throat> my, my, my ever, um, insomniac mother, uh, found yeah. me anyway and sent me off to bed after I just finished applying the stickers to this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them I screwed up uh, hopelessly, but w- what are you going to do? You can't switch on a torch when you're trying to hide from your folks. <laughs> Incognito. <laughs> but in the year of our Lord, 2010, uh, G.I. Joburg was uh, not even a twinkle in my eye, but uh, the impossible dream was realized. I received a USS flag, and... It was posted to us by a conventional means, which just further makes it a miracle. Um, 
the sail itself included the box, but because the box's dimensions were outside the dimensions of anything that could be conventionally shipped, the option was to either have them cut the box in half, or just not bother with the box at all. So somewhere in this universe, someone scored a flag box that I paid for. You're welcome. Hey. <laughs> I mean, unless these guys sold it on, which they probably did, making a quick buck on, on the box. Which, damn it, man. I'm bitter about that uh, now. I want that box. <laughs> An original flag box is, uh, is is nothing to turn your nose up at. Yeah, it's a sight to behold. I mean, we saw one in Kokomo, so... Indeed. Yeah. But uh, 2010's Christmas was a, a rather trying time for me, uh, without giving too, too much away. Um, Kim was not the first girl I've been engaged to. Uh, but after a rather interesting and turbulent uh, meal, Rob... Myself and uh, the third member of our trio at the time, a guy called Alistair, who, if you are a listener to this podcast, you might be familiar with. He has on occasion joined us. Um, the three of us assembled this thing, or set about to assemble this thing. Uh, we, <laughs> we, we set aside a table, and we started uh, laying the parts out on said table. We quickly realized that uh, this table is not going to cut it. This thing is... Not only too long for the table, but too long for us to uh, orientate it in the one direction in this room. Like, basically, the room we were assembling it in was too short to accommodate the flag. We had to kind of turn it on its side. and <laughs> Man, what an eye-opener. Just finally coming to grips with the actual scale of a USS flag. Quite breathtaking. And, of course, as soon as we had assembled it, it was almost time to part company again. I had to be on a flight the next day. But what an incredible coming together of three childhood friends is a kind of a culmination. And I must say, I have Rob and Elle to thank for even the notion that uh, a flag was achievable. Because it's it's quite prohibitive to think about you know getting something of that size sent all the way down to deepest, darkest Africa. But... When Al confessed to me that he and Rob were looking at sourcing one, that finally convinced me that it could be done. So when the the nexus of uh, opportunity and finance was reached, that is exactly what I did. Got myself a flag. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Merry Christmas, me. <laughs> Tough to follow well, Merry up. Merry Christmas, all of us. I mean... Though it was it was followed up. The very next year, I got the... Um, well, a, a G.I. Joe toy that sees far more use than the flag, if I'm honest. And that was the 1983 HQ. Complete with two desert foxes, courtesy of Mr. Robert Lemmer. Thank you, sir. Boom. Boom. One but, for each garage. But, <laughs> but, like, yeah, for me... That probably is my my favorite one as well because it wasn't just about toys; it was about friends. Um, so you kind of stole my memory. <laughs> so I will, you stole my I'll, memories. I'll choose another one. Um, <clears throat> another Christmas spent with um, with absolutely amazing uh, GI Joe fans, and also the the we're coming up on the first anniversary of that incredible Christmas. Happy anniversary, Stephen and Kim! Your wedding was absolutely amazing, and it was. Incredible to be able to spend time again with um, Stephen and Paul after our, our adventures earlier. I mean, you know, 
earlier that year. Oh yeah, um, that was very cool. <laughs> and even we all got to share in an unboxing a toy that day. Um, but I think just spending time with um, you know, proper Joe fans, some of my best friends in the world, at Christmas. Aww. Um, and you know, in celebrating the union of Kim and Stephen was absolutely amazing. Um, so that is definitely one of my favorite Christmases. Um, yeah, you, you can't deny I was happy for Steve on that day. <laughs> sure, the the groom is suddenly feeling very sheepish that he. <laughs> you want to do a swap, Rob? Uh, Kim, my favorite uh, cr- Christmas memory was getting married to you. Okay, there. Uh, and, and Rob, yours was the the flag. Okay, cool. We set yes, the record straight. Definitely. Wow, Absolutely, lovely. What a great uh, memory to share and a good one to to close out the show on i'd say thanks rob i think so yes it was a pretty magical time and as we draw closer to the 25th uh the memories will start flowing thick and fast i mean it was an absolute whirlwind we put that wedding together in record time kim was so inundated at work that it was pretty much a one-man show and perhaps that is the most carefree way to plan a wedding it's just kind of like do it yourself Nothing decided yeah. by committee. Um, and, and it was just a very festive, very simple ceremony. And yes, we managed to fit in an unboxing of an <laughs> awesome wedding gift from Mr. Jim Godfrey. How Joe Berg is that? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, if you are curious and you haven't uh, checked it out, just scroll back through G.I. Joe Berg's YouTube vids and you will find it. Um, wonderful, wonderful memory, a wonderful way to mark the day. And I do believe uh, we all walked away with some some Christmas swag that day. Uh, Yeah, yeah, Rob got himself another scoop. (laughs) Uh, What'd you get, Paul? Remind me. Crimson God. Fantastic, man. I love my Crimson God. He's right here in front of... He's right here with us in this podcast. He's Mm. always with me. I love this toy. Cheers. Thanks, Jason. Thanks to everyone who's contributed uh, past and future. we we do this for the love, but uh, getting free toys, <laughs> hey, that puts a big smile. We love on our getting faces. free toys. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, guys, uh, Merry Christmas and Merry Christmas to the entire G.I. Joburg family, and I include our entire audience here on the podcast, on the on the YouTube's and everywhere else, Facebook. Um, uh, you guys interact with with our Facebook fans quite a bit. Um, yeah, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram when when we post pics. Um, yeah, thanks to everyone and thanks to the G.I. Joe community in general for keeping this brand alive and keeping, you know, interest in it and, and keeping us young. <laughs> mm. I don't feel 36. I, I think I feel, I still feel. I don't feel 36 either. Hell yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yo, Joe, guys. Yo, Joe. Yo, Joe. Berg. <laughs> 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 Awesome. Okay, that's in the can. Oh, 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 Berg.